Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Good to see you today. Happy Father's Day to everybody. It's a, a wonderful expression. We don't get these days often where they, we recognize fathers as having a substantial role in this world. But um, we do honor fathers today, as, as Pia was saying, that uh, it is a special thing to be a, a father. And I'm going to talk to you about that today. So all you ladies, uh, you can go get a, a drink or something because I'm going to talk to all the guys. No, that's not totally true. I think there's something good in this for, for all of us. So, but before we get into the word, I would like to have all the dads stand. If you're a father, just stand up. And if you're near them, I want you to lay a hand on them. Just somebody get up and move over and lay an elbow on them or whatever we can do. You know, we're not doing hugs and all that good stuff. I came up with a new hug. You guys ready for this? We give elbows, that's a handshake. And then we give forearms, that's a hug. For now. <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to pray. And, and if you're at home right now, and uh, I'd like all the family to gather around Dad. And we just want to say a prayer over fathers today that God would bless and do something wonderful in each of their lives. So as you're touching somebody and every father is being touched in some way, Father, we just thank you, God, for the, the gift of fatherhood. You as Father, God, sent your son for us. You gave your very best for us. And I know each of these fathers here today have given of their lives to their children, to the task of parenting, the task of marriage. Lord, you, you've, you've given them a, a, a load, a greater burden to share, to bear. So Lord, today we just take a moment and we bless every father in Jesus' name. We say let your, your lives be filled with joy and peace today. Let the abundance of God, the protection and the provision of a mighty great shepherd be yours today. God, that you would lift them up, Lord, and if there's any pressure upon their life, you just take that off of them today. We speak liberty over every dad here today. We thank you for your blessing that you bless them with, Lord, and we trust you, Father, in all that you have for us as fathers, Lord. Go before us and make the way straight, and Lord, let us be better fathers, more like you in every way. We just bless and thank you for our dads here today in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> well, you can be seated. And I want to talk to you today about fathers, believe it or not, and what fatherhood is and what it means to us. I want to begin by reading a verse in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4 where Paul speaks about fathers. Well... I didn't realize, no, I don't have to because I, have, I wrote it here. <laughs> I'm going, I'm not used to using a Bible. When you move, ch change to electronic Bible, you know, and I've got it in my pocket, you just can't whip it out every time when you're preaching. You've got to look like you've been. I have so many notes in this old Bible right now that uh, I could preach a sermon for every day of the year just by turning to a page. But this is one that is new, and it's a word from the Lord for you today in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 
Paul says, I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. And it's an interesting thing that Paul's saying here, but I really love the the paraphrase of uh, Eugene Peterson in the message where he says these words, there are a lot of people around who can't wait to tell you what you've done wrong. I was raised by that like that. I mean, I think, I, I used to think he lives to tell me what I do wrong. That's all he lives for is to tell me what I'm doing wrong. In fact, the biggest takeaway from my childhood, we all have little things, takeaways, and my dad used to say, can't you do anything right? And uh, I've, I've been healed of that. And uh, I, I really had the privilege of loving my dad in the end of his years and actually lead him to the Lord when he was 89 years old. So uh, I just, I, I loved my dad. It wasn't always easy, but uh, I think there are times when we're not easy, especially if we take this track that we're somehow, uh, we're here to tell our kids everything they've done wrong, to correct them uh, for all the things they've done wrong. And that's what Paul's saying. There's a lot of people around who can't wait to tell you what you've done wrong, but there aren't many fathers willing to take the time and effort to help you grow up. It was as Jesus helped me proclaims God's message to you that I became your father. You see, the treasure that we have is the word of God, the message, the gospel, the good news, who Jesus is, who he can be in the lives of our sons and our daughters, our children who he is in our lives. And we need to learn to tell that story to our children and to tell that story to other children around. I want to give you a word today, dads. This is my Father's Day gift to you. You ready for a gift? Here we go. Here's the first thing I want to talk to you, or I want to say to you. Be a guide, not a guard. Be a guide. Someone who shows the way, who has it in their heart to to teach and instruct in the way that walking uh, through life leads the most, get, leads us to the best benefits in life. God's got great blessings for us, great blessings upon fathers that they can bestow on their children. And the, the, there's something called the blessing. It was a book that was written about the blessing of the fathers to be on the children. And it had, it had so much weight in the day of that, that book, but it has so much truth for us today that fathers, one of the things we have to give, the best thing we have to give our kids is the blessing of the father upon our lives. It's the big, biggest treasure that we have in these earthen vessels and these vessels wear out. But we want to learn how to be a guide and not just a guard. Not just somebody who watches over to make sure that everything is done right and perfect. That's not going to bring you the kind of relationship with your children that you really cherish, would really love to have. It was what brought my dad to Christ. He called me up one day and said, how come my kids don't love me like other people love me? And I got to tell him, I said, Dad, your kids love you like other people don't love you. They're all Christians, and they love you in, in God's way of loving you. They accept all of that. Nobody holds it against you. They love you. And boy, he broke down and the end of the story was he got to accept Christ that day. But anyway, don't be a guard. Don't be one who would go around telling people what they're doing wrong, but be willing as a father to take the time and effort to help your kids grow up. We live in a fatherless generation, and in, 
in Memphis alone, more, almost half of the children in Memphis live in a single-parent home. And in some segments of our society, that approaches 85%. We live in a different day right now, and our world around us is crying out for fathers. And Paul was a father, not, not in the natural, he wasn't talking about that, but through the gospel, through the message of Jesus, through the message of life that we have in Christ, he shared with people everywhere, and he became a father to a lot of people. And God's calling us men, us men, to be fathers beyond our own natural children, but to look around for children who don't have a father, who need something of a, 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 a voice into their lives of what a father can be like, and a guide to show them how to walk with God and how to live their lives. Be a guide, not a guard, because the home is not a prison. It's a garden. It's where we grow things. We grow children there. We grow love there. We grow values there. We grow things, and it's our job to tend the garden, not to watch the inmates. Okay? We take that one and chew on that one for a while. Because what God's trying to make us is role models. He wants to do something in our lives that we can say, okay, God, you're doing better at this father thing than I ever will, and I want to be more like that. God, make me a, 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 a mirror to people that they could see Christ in me, that they could see what a good father, a, a loving father is really like. And God wants to do that, men, in each one of our lives, whether you have children or not. You have a lot of children in the city who are waiting for somebody to be a role model. And one of the problems we have in our culture today is there are not enough male role models telling people how to live a, a righteous, godly life. And so they drift and they fall off cliffs and bump into walls and, and things don't look pretty from there. But that's our thing. We can be role models to show people young men, young boys, how to become a father, how to be a father, how to love like a father. We can show them the father through our lives by demonstrating what the father God shows and does in our lives. The third thing, be available. If you want to make a difference in your kids' lives, and this is where I've beat myself up pretty bad. Um, you know, I was a busy pastor, you know, and, and sometimes I just didn't take the time. Somebody says you have to make time for your kids. You can't make time. You have, we all have the same amount of time. We all have demands on our lives for that time. We all choose how we spend our time. You have to take time away from a dozen other things to give it to your kids or to give it to a, a young man somewhere, a boy somewhere who just needs a role model, who needs a father figure in their life. You take time. And you give that willingly, freely to other people. Take time. A fatherless generation needs you, needs me, to be actively involved. And I think you're going to see some amazing miracles if you take this to heart, if you actually take this out of here and do something with it. That's what the need is right now, for us to rise up as the body of Christ and do something. Do something. Show active involvement in our community, in our families. Be there. Be actively involved. God's turning. He's turning this world right now. 
All of the, the turmoil that you see, all of the motion that you see is God's hand turning us, adjusting us some way. And whether it's the final days when Jesus is come, coming back and, Lord, come quickly, but Lord, I just ask you for mercy and grace because we still have so many people who need to, to know Jesus and need to know him in a very profound, personal way. And we want everybody to know him in a way that you know, they're going to meet him in heaven and he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. I know you, you're mine. But not everybody's going to get there that way. God's turning and he's turning the hearts of the fathers to the children and he's turning the hearts of the children to the fathers. So I want to give you another word to, how many of you children do we have in here? How many of you had a dad? Come on. Everybody had a dad. Everybody had a dad. And how we dealt with that was, well, I think most of us, probably most of us in this room, had a little season of rebellion in there where, you know, you're just kind of standing up against them because, you know, you're, you have to spread your wings and you have to test your muscles. You have to practice some authority. Even if you're walking with the Lord as a kid, there's some part of that where we rise up a little bit to exert our own independence and to stand up on our own two feet. And the grace of a dad is to allow that to happen graciously and guide that process wholesomely so it isn't a confrontation. Um, James Dobson said this, when you have teenagers, it's like going in, you're in a boat and you're going into the rapids. And he said, as they get a little older in their teenage years, it's like the rapids get faster and the cliff comes in on both sides. There's no way out of this. You're going through having teenagers and the goal is to get to the other end of the rapids with everybody still in the boat. <laughs> That's a good goal. So what do we do? We just hold on to each other. We just make sure everybody's okay. It's not a time to, for dramatic interventions and dramatic, you know, just stay together. Life will settle out. The, the rapids go away and people, kids grow up. Ask me, I know that. They grow up as I grow in a different direction. <laughs> Over in Luke chapter 17, we see a word that uh, an angel came to Zechariah. You remember Zechariah and, and uh, Elizabeth? They were going to have a kid. Do you remember who their kid was? John the Baptist, right, John the Baptist. And so he, he, the angel appears to Zechariah and he gives him a word <clears throat> and he says, your son, he will go before him, Christ, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now that's a mouthful. I could probably preach three or four sermons on that one. I'm not going to take that one and go in a different direction. I'm just going to go to where it's from. In Malachi chapter 4 is where Malachi the prophet said those words and the angel was kind of repeating them back to Zechariah as a confirmation but this is what the prophet said. Behold, I will send you, Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. It's that important. It's that important that we understand a relationship with our father. It's that important that we Find a balance in our lives and 
I used to say this to my brothers because my brothers, I had six brothers, and uh, many, most of them, along with me, were greatly offended by my father, you know, through uh, undeserved uh, corrections, <laughs> uh, brutal things, you know, we, we, we went through some stuff. But I used, to, I used to tell them, I said, one of the things that I've learned how to do is to find an excuse for people. When they've hurt me, I need, I need to be free from that, the pain of that. So what I did with dad is I just found an excuse for him to be the way he is. Hey, he's the middle kid of 14 kids, probably didn't get a hug in his grown, I mean, most of the time growing up. His whole life was about work, work because I knew his, his parents, uh, Germans, and they were staunch, you know. So, and then he went through World War II, saw a lot of things, probably came back with PTSD, and nobody knew about that then. But a lot of fathers just fell apart. And so here he had nine kids, and he didn't handle it well. So when you find an excuse, that was my excuse for him. Look, at he, he never got what he needed, so how can I expect what he never had, what he never received? So we, we have to go back and understand, fathers, let's treat them right, and the way we treat them is according to the word. So what does the word say about how we treat our fathers? Well, Ephesians Chapter 6, verse 2 and 3 says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. That's a good one. The first commandment with promise. That it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. It, it comes from Exodus chapter 10. We remember the Ten Commandments. How many of you have ever heard of the Ten Commandments? Uh, this is number four. In the Ten Commandments, we had, what's the first one? Love the Lord your God with all, love God. Okay, number two, no idols, no idols. What's an idol? Anything that gets between you and God. And I'll tell you, it would behoove us in America today to take a look at idolatry through those lenses. Is this getting between me and what God has for my life? Because there's something called mammon, the pursuit of mammon, that does not go the pursuit of money all right, the pursuit. It's not, having money is not a sin. <laughs> having a lot of money is not a sin. God will bless people. But to let that be your life's pursuit, all of a sudden it became something that came between you and God. So the second, the second of the Ten Commandments is don't do that. Don't have idols. The third one was uh, keep the Sabbath holy. Make sure you find it. It's amazing the order of these things. And then the fourth commandment was love your father and your mother, honor your father and your mother. Um, that, uh, it, well, he quoted it, that your days may be long upon the land the Lord your God is giving you. And then what's the fifth? Don't murder. <laughs> so, so listen, in order of priority, it's more important to honor your father and mother than it is to kill people. We don't want you to go out and kill people, but it's really something that says, listen, this is important to God. A relationship that we have with our fathers is very important. So learn how to forgive your dad. If you need to forgive him, deal with it. Find an excuse. I don't know. That's not the only, that's just the way I did it. But you do it and you find the freedom and the love of God and the relationship with the heavenly father that is so full and rich when you don't have the father issues to resolve in your life. Honor your father and mother. The word honor means to revere, to respect, to bless, 
to respect your father who has never done a respectable thing for you, and yet he gave you birth. He brought you into this world. One good thing. You didn't starve to death. Two good things. He taught you how to dress. You still have clothes on. You can find a lot of things to honor your father for, and we need to look for things, things that will cause our respect of our fathers to grow so that they can be, well, what it says in, in, in verse 4 here, Ephesians 6, 4, it says, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, you know, and, and that, that provoking them to us to anger is something that causes us not to respect them. We're reacting to things that happen with them, and we need to back up a step, and it's not going to hurt us to do what they say, but uh, we can't always agree with everything our fathers say. I, I remember I, the, the straw that broke the camel's back between my, me and my dad one day I was a teenager, and he, I had just had an operation on my feet. I think both feet had ingrown toenails removed. And so I wasn't walking really well, and he came in and gave me a hard time about my hair being long. He hated long hair. So I got back at him later when I became a hippie. Uh, <laughs> No, no. but he said, I said, well, he said, go get your hair, you need to get, you're supposed to get your hair cut. I said, well, I, I didn't have a way. He says, well, it's just a mile away, you can walk down there. And boy, I just went, there's no way in the world I'm going to walk a mile right now, Dad. <laughs> and so we got into it, and uh, it was not a pretty sight, a little beating both ways. And uh, I didn't talk to my dad for seven years. I talked to him when I became a Christian. And I realized how wrong it was for me not to respect the things that he had done that was right in my life. To take the things that were wrong and put them over here. I'm not his judge. God's his judge. So let God deal with them. So I wrote him a letter where I forgave him and, and asked him to forgive me. Um, he had remarried, and his wife told me that he kept that on the middle of his desk, he kept that letter for years and years, right on the middle of his desk. Always had it right in front of him. And it was, I mean, years and years. I started talking to him again. We started visiting. Uh, we started, you know, a relationship. I remember we'd call all the time. I'd call and ended every call with, hey, I love you, Dad. It's shocked to him. He never told me he loved me in my whole life until after I said it probably 100 times. <laughs> and then he used to start answering back, love you too, love you too. Love you too. Very, very, it was a strain, it was a press, but he began doing that. And I believe it's what really won him and opened his heart. Listen, I, did, I lived the gospel before him. I mean, I preached so much to him because I was a pastor, you know, I don't want to see my dad get saved. But it didn't do any good. But loving him and loving our fathers and accepting them frees us and opens that relationship up to a new dimension. Honor your father and your mother. Honor. Honor, it's such an important thing to have a, a, a relationship of honor between us because it causes a, a respectable relationship, a, a, a relationship that is worthy of respect. He was worthy. I found reasons. He was worthy of my respect to hold him in high, high esteem, higher than uh, where I was before as a, a teenager. Be a, a good guide. 
Be a good God. If we're going to be fathers, we need to learn from our fathers and to allow them what they did give us as guidance to allow them to be respected for those things. We need to have respect. And, and, and this word honor also means to bless. The word, the word is so full when you start looking at the depth of the word because the word honor also has to do with just as your father gave into your life, God's asking us to give into their life. God asks us to give into his life. And I didn't invest a lot of money into my dad's life because he didn't need that. But I invested a lot of something that was way more important than money. And that was time. Phone calls, notes, letters, things like that. Uh, visits. And uh, we need to learn that we owe, we owe a debt to God for our fathers. We owe it to, not to our fathers, we owe it to God for our fathers. Because he's our father. And he's the one who has made all the difference in our life and, and will make the difference in all of our lives as we move, uh, move forward. But I want to give you one more word right now. It's about your Heavenly Father. You ever think about that? It's Father's Day, but we have a Heavenly Father that we need to honor as well. Our Heavenly Father is the one who... Um, I mean, I'm reminded of a story that kind of tells the heart of God, the heart of a father. And the, the story is the story of the prodigal son. And the, the youngest son kind of rebelled against dad and said, hey, man, I, I, don't, I don't love staying home. I, I need to get out of here. Give me my inheritance. I'm, I'm going to split. So the father split the inheritance, split his whole thing between the two sons. One stayed home, one took off. The younger one who took off had a great time, had a great run. But every great run runs out. And his run ran out. And he ended up with nothing, feeding pigs for somebody else's pigs. They weren't even his, feeding pigs. And looking at the food saying, Man, that looks good. I'm telling you, it doesn't get much lower than that. You're not going to fall a whole lot lower than looking around at the pig pen thinking, can I find something to eat here that's not pork? You know, we, 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 we look at that story and we go, this kid fell a long, long way. And while he was gone, what do you think the father was doing? The father was waiting for him to return. The father had a great confidence, a great hope that he would come home. And, and the, that scene in the way the word says this, because he says, he said in his heart and he planned this big speech he was going to tell his father, oh, I'm going to go home and I'm going to say, oh, I've sinned against you and I've sinned against heaven and just make me like, forgive me and make me like one of your servants. And he had this big speech planned. And as he was coming home, the father saw him a long way off. A great way off. Those are two translations. So he wouldn't have seen him a great way off if he wasn't looking for him, if he wasn't watching for him. And we have a heavenly father who's always watching for us. He was watching for me when I finally realized what he had for me. And I took a hold of him being my father, and it changed my life forever. But the father 
saw him a long way off. And he didn't just kind of wait for the sun to kind of, kind of come ambling in. What does the Bible say? He ran to him. He ran to his son who he saw a far way off. This is a story about our father God. There's a song that says, when he ran to me, held me in his arms, put my head to his chest, and said, my son has come home. I always cry when I hear that because that depth of meaning had so much uh, change. It had so much power in my life. While he was a long way off, he ran to him and he fell upon him and he hugged him and he kissed him. And the son starts practicing his speech. Father, I have sinned against you. Enough. Bring the robes. Cover him up. Dress him up. He's my son. He's come home. Let's celebrate. You see, your heavenly father, he's not just like that the first time you come to him. He's like that every time. He hasn't changed. He loves you so much. He sent his only son. He sent the most valuable thing in his life to give, to pay the penalty for our sins. He sent his son to die on a cross so that we wouldn't have to be separated from God forever for our sins. We need to acknowledge our father and say, Lord, you have done something wonderful for my life. I think about that, and that's almost 50 years ago, 45, 48 years ago. And I get teary-eyed every time I think of it because I think of where my life was headed without God and what damage that I had done. I mean, I, I went out, I was like the prodigal son, and I left a trail behind me, a trail of destruction in other people's lives. And in, I mean, I was... I wasn't a pretty person. Maybe somebody thought I was. My mom did. <laughs> she looked past all of that stuff, and she still loved me. He loves you. There's a word that's used in the New Testament. Um, I'm trying to look at that clock. Uh, there's a word in the New Testament. This is a word that's only used three times. It's one in Mark. It's used when... Um, Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he was praying. He was saying, Abba, Father, if it be your will, this, this, take this away from me. Uh, he was talking the Father about the, the task ahead of him of going to the cross. And no, I mean, that was an intimidating thought even for him. So he used this word Abba as an expression of, and Abba is an expression of intimacy, of familiarity. It's not just father. The father, the word that we see all, all through Scripture, all through the New Testament, father, the word Greek word potter, was uh, a word that just in general meant fatherhood. But this word Abba, father, took it into a whole new level. We see Paul use it in Romans where, um, where he says, you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. Thank God for that. But you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. When we realize that we are adopted children of God and that he cares about us just as much as any other child, we're all adopted into the family of God. He loves us equally all with how much heart does he love us with? 
everything he has. So much he gave his own son, who he loved with an indescribable love that he transferred to us because of the sacrifice of his son. Because we are adopted, we cry out, Abba, Father. And in Galatians, Paul used it the third time, and he said, because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. We are closing in on a relationship that God wants us to have, to live in. He loves you so much. He wants you to be so close to him. He's waiting. He's waiting. I just challenge you today. When you think of that, when you think of a day, Father's Day, a day we honor God, a day we honor each other as fathers, we honor the good things that were given to us and done for us, the sacrifices that were made, especially this sacrifice by Father God. Listen, if you've never asked God, the Father, to reveal himself to you, if you don't have a relationship, I'm going to tell you, there's some people that have been going to church their whole lives who don't have this kind of Abba relationship. The relationship where we can call him personally, we can call him dad. Some people say daddy. That was a foreign word to me, daddy. But dad was something that was very familiar to me and very special to me. But he wants you to call him daddy. He wants you to have that kind of relationship where you understand what that really means. And he's waiting. If you ever never asked him for that, I'd like you to bow your heads with me for a minute. And online, if you just find yourself a little private place and get yourself alone with God and listen to what he's going to say to you. Because God is speaking to each one of us. He's always looking for you to come home. He's always praying and crying out for you to come home. Even if you can't hear him, you don't know it. He's always longing for you to come home. And there's no better day than today, Father's Day, where you honor, you honor God. You see, we bless the Father because he blessed us. What did he bless us with? The opportunity, the opportunity to live with him forever. He wants us to come home to do that. So I'm going to say a prayer, and I want you to repeat it after me. I want you just to just focus for just a minute on your own life and make this a very personal prayer. But I'd like everybody to repeat after me and say it out loud together. Abba, Father. Go ahead, say it out loud with me. Abba, Father. I thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins so that I may be forgiven and that I may experience the new life that you have for me. God, I'm so sorry for making such a mess along the way. Now, Lord, I open my heart to you. 
and I give you free access. In your forgiveness, Lord, come in. I want to have that relationship with you, a relationship where we're close, a relationship that lasts forever. So I give you my heart, Lord, and I thank you for your great love. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.